Good morning, friends. Man, we are jam-packed today. What a fun, cool, and the Lord provided nice, cool weather for our picnic. It could have been blazing hot. So, hey, we're going to be optimists. We're Oregonians. We're, if we're nothing else, we're optimistic about the weather. So, hey, um, this morning, again, if you're new with us, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to have you join our family for a special kind of all-in-one, kind of jam-packed-in gathering together. This morning, we finish up a series where we've invited our children to stay with us for the entire series. It's a series that we've called Elements. And what we've been doing is looking at some of the things in our physical world that God uses to teach us about himself. And each week, what we've tried to do is give you an actual experience of the element that we've been talking about. We've really wanted you to you know, see it or feel it or smell it, or hear it, or touch it. And if you remember in week one, we talked about soil. And if you made your way to the patio that day, there was actual soil on the patio. You could put your hands in soil. You could plant some seeds in the soil. And then in week two, we talked about wind. And you remember the kite surfers on the screens, and there was the sound of wind, and then there were some bubbles, a lot of bubbles that week. And then last week, we talked about fire, and uh, we had the Olympic torch, which was rad. And then there was actually fire on the stage. There was a little fire at the first service, sorry, first service, and a big fire at the second service. I want all of you first Servians to know that we got it right on the second try, which was great. And this week, we're talking about water. We're talking about water. And You know, I thought, you know, what better way to experience water than to actually have the chance to feel it? No, come on, I wouldn't. See, some of you flinched, which makes me wonder, like, what kind of a pastor do you think I am? Do you think I would actually do that? I really wanted to, but the elders said no. Man, come on, elders, no. Um, This week, we're talking about water, and what better way to experience water than to take a water quiz? Yeah. All right, so find a neighbor or a friend sitting next to you. Make a new friend if you want to, and like you can share your answers with each other for accountability. See how you do on our final week of the Element Series water quiz. Question one, one gallon of water weighs just over four pounds, eight pounds, 10 pounds, or 16 pounds. Here's a hint, by the way, that's one gallon of water. And the answer is eight pounds. It's actually 8.3 pounds. What percentage of the human brain is water? 47%, 59%, 73%, or 92%? 73%. Man. You guys thought I was just full of a lot of hot air. That's not true. There's a lot of water in there, too. Um, What percentage of the Earth's surface is water? Again, I'll give you a hint with this map. 38%, 52%, 60%, or 71%? 71 percent. Water expands, some of you have found this out the hard way, when it freezes, by what percent does it expand? 9 percent, 16 percent, 25 percent, or 34 percent? Answer? 
9%. Oh, I fooled you on that one. What percent of the world's water, of all the water in the entire, on the entire planet, what percent is salty? 70, 81, 90, or 97? 97. That one was easy. 97% is salty. Okay, here's, this one will blow your brain. And here's, this, this, this question is actually the reason for the last question. How many gallons of water do scientists estimate are in the Pacific Ocean? 187 billion, 187 trillion, 187 quadrillion gallons, or 187 quintillion gallons? Scientists estimate that there are 187 quintillion gallons of water in the Pacific Ocean, which is why 97% of the world's water is salty. Okay, here's, I mean, this is an easy one, so stop. Don't get this one wrong, because we'll make fun of you later. What is heavier, water or ice? Here's a hint. This is a hint. What is heavier, water or ice? <laughs> I knew I'd get someone. Ice, no, water is heavier, which is why ice floats. Very good. All right, and the last but most important question of the day. How many gallons of water do Americans use every single day by simply flushing the toilet? 6,000 gallons, 1.4 million gallons. 5.7 billion gallons or 463 trillion gallons every day by simply flushing the toilet we as Americans use 5.7 billion gallons of water so water is everywhere we've all experienced it in a lot of different ways and and so not surprisingly, God, it's something that God uses in the scriptures to teach us about himself and our relationship with him. And there are stories about water all throughout the Old Testament. In the creation story, the spirit of God is hovering over the waters. That's how the Bible starts. Noah and his family build an ark to escape large amounts of water. The Israelites flee Egypt Flee slavery through the parting of some great waters. And a guy named Jonah meets a whale after being thrown overboard into some water. Water is all throughout the scriptures. But this morning, I want to talk to us about three water stories from the New Testament. Three encounters with water that we read about in the scriptures that teach us about God. Here's the first one. One day, Jesus and his disciples decide to take a trip from the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee all the way across to the southwest side. And this was a long journey. It was probably a nine or 10 mile journey across this massive lake called the Sea of Galilee. And everything was going fine until they were right out in the middle. And then suddenly, the winds begin to pick up and the sky starts to get eerily dark and the waves are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, so big in fact, that they actually start to crash over the edge of the boat. And the disciples are terrified because they understand the power of water. They understand what can happen. 
Have you ever experienced the power of water? Have you ever experienced the magnitude and the force of being in water, especially when it's on the move? When I was a little kid, just in the second grade, we lived in Merced, California. My dad was in uh, the Air Force and we were stationed there and we went to the beach one day and we were there at the beach and we were playing and there was this giant rock on the beach and the, the waves were coming up and the, the surf was not quite getting to this rock and so I had kind of climbed up on this rock like little boys will sometimes do and I'm playing on top of this rock and I'm exploring up there and I'm like, hey parents, look at me, I'm up here on this rock when all of a sudden this kind of rogue wave, this surge of water comes in, crashes over the, the rock, rips me off and slams me to the beach. But then it gets worse. There was so much water that now is rushing back into the ocean that it picked me up again, carried me back over the rock, and was like dragging me out to sea. And I don't remember a whole lot about that moment, but I do remember just how completely and utterly terrified I was. How small and helpless I was in the face of this powerfully moving water. And in this story, the disciples are feeling much the same way. They are terrified, and they think they're going to drown, and so they turn, of course, to Jesus, only to find him sleeping. You see, one truth this story teaches us is that the things of this world that terrify you and me, they aren't scary to God at all. He's not nearly as terrified as we are. And in the midst of this terrifying storm, Jesus is sleeping. So the disciples, of course, wake him up and they say, Jesus, wake up. We are going to drown. The ship is going under. This is it. And then listen to these words. Listen to the words of Jesus in the midst of this storm. Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. You see, as powerful as the waters are, they are nothing compared to the power of God. And the question becomes this, are you facing any raging waters in your life right now? Is there anything in your world that you're fearful of or terrified by or worried or anxious or uneasy about these days? Because one lesson, the primary lesson of this story and one lesson that water teaches us is this, God is more powerful than anything this world can throw at you. God is more powerful than any of the raging waters you are or will ever face. Listen to Psalm 93. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Do you know the power of God today? That's story number one, water walking, the power of God. Here's story number two. Jesus and his disciples are this time not on the sea. This time they are instead in the middle of a desert. They're in a place called Samaria. And while his disciples are off in town running some errands, Jesus meets this woman at this well. And now they begin to talk and they begin to talk about her life. And she begins to share about some of the things that she's been searching for. And she's talking about searching for peace and joy and fulfillment and acceptance in all the wrong places. And then right in the middle of their conversation, right in the middle of their interchange, Jesus says something remarkable. He says, 
If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. I would give you living water. And then he says, everyone who drinks this water, this living water, will be, no, this water, this water from the well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never, ever thirst. And what Jesus is saying here is that we can all relate to being thirsty. We can all understand that feeling when you've been on a long hike and you didn't bring enough water and your body is just begging and demanding and yearning for a drink. We can all relate to that feeling physically. And he says, there's something to learn about the spiritual life. One summer, about seven years ago, my wife Amy and I decided that we were going to take on the challenge of climbing Half Dome. We were, our kids were back in Nebraska with my parents and we had about 10 days to ourselves and so we headed to Yosemite and we put our names in for a pass and we finally got one and we were gonna get to climb Half Dome. How many in here have ever climbed Half Dome? It's this long, grueling, 13-mile hike, you know, tons of elevation. And at the very end of this hike, you're looking at this giant granite mountain. Uh, this, this, the side of it's about 45 degrees, and there are these cables that run right up the side. And, and you're invited to climb, um, which looks like you know, straight up into the sky. And so we began and we climbed all the way to the top and then we stood the cables and we began to go up. That's what it feels like. That's what it looks like when you're on the cables. Um, and I was pretty excited and my wife was pretty terrified, um, but we had a good time. And there we are, you can see us right here, getting ready to go up one more, one more picture. We're getting ready to go up the cables. You see the people in the back? We're gonna climb that any minute. Um, and then we got on the cables, and this is Amy pretending to feel safe and happy. And then, uh, and then here we are at the top. We made it to the top, and you can see Yosemite Valley below us. One of the, one of the best like, hikes we've ever done, standing on top of Half Dome. It was amazing. But then we had the long trek down, seven and a half miles. And one thing we learned about halfway back was that we failed to bring enough water. <laughs> We had sort of like mowed through, we thought we brought a ton, it was really heavy carrying it, but we had kind of mowed through all of our water. And so for about the last three or four miles, we had no water. And I remember this moment when we finally kind of came down the last stretch and went around this corner and there were these, these water fountains at the bottom that they had perched and we just made a beeline to these water fountains because we were so incredibly thirsty and we just gulped and gulped and gulped and gulped. And friends, Jesus says, in the same way that our bodies sometimes cry out for water, our souls cry out for something that will ultimately satisfy them. Our hearts and lives, every single human being's heart and life's is desperately in need of something to fill us up. There is this unquenchable thirst inside every single one of us. And the promise of Jesus here in these words is remarkable. And his promise is this. If you seek to fill your life with something from this world, if you seek to, to quench the thirst of your soul, using something that you find in this world. If you seek to use success or popularity or pleasure or status or stature or even religion, you will find yourself unsatisfied 
and thirsting again. You may be satisfied for a little while, but ultimately you will thirst again. But then he says, but if you receive the gift of God in me, if you receive me into your life, if I become the Lord and Savior of your soul, then you will be satisfied forever. Then you will be satisfied in all of this life and forever into eternity. In Psalm 42, the psalmist uses this amazing image. He writes, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. And there's, remember the old song? Do you remember this song, As the Deer? As the deer panteth for the water, my soul longeth after thee. So sweet and nice, and it's sort of like, man, I think that deer's a little thirsty, and I'm a little thirsty for God. And that is not the point of the song or the verse. This is a deer, friends, who's out in the middle of the desert, who is desperately searching for a stream of water because that deer is so thirsty that any moment that deer is going to die. This is a deer that is desperate for water, and the psalmist is saying, my soul is desperate, Lord, for something of sustenance. My soul is desperate, Lord, to know you and experience you because my soul is dying of thirst and there's nothing in this world that can quench it. That is what God is teaching us in these words. That's what he's telling us through the words, I am living water. So water in the scriptures teaches us about the power of God. And then water teaches us about the eternal satisfaction that our souls find in God. And then last but not least, there's one final water story. And it comes at the end of Jesus' life. After he spent years teaching people and challenging people and healing people and loving people in amazing ways. Then he's arrested and he's unjustly accused. And then they mock him and they beat him and they hang him on a cross and they kill him. And then he's buried in a tomb. And in this moment, at this point of the story, it looks like the story's over. It looks like the Jesus story has died. It looks like evil has won and hope has lost. But then... Three days later, Jesus comes up out of that tomb. He rises from the dead, and he defeats the power of death. And then he doesn't just say, wasn't that cool? Then he gathers his disciples, and he tells them something that's amazing. He says, this resurrection... My resurrection, this new life, this, this victory over sin and death, it is not just for me, it is for you, it is for all of humanity, it is for the entire world. And so he says to them, go. You go and you tell and you go and you invite people all over this planet to follow me and to trust in me and to put their hope in me and to declare to the world that in me they have received a new life through my death and resurrection. And he said, you do this. You make this declaration of faith. You declare that your hope and trust is in me by getting in some water. And he says, in the same way that I was buried in that tomb and raised to new life again, you'll be buried down into that water and then raised out to say, Jesus' death and resurrection 
is my death and resurrection. My sins have been washed away. My hope and my life and my peace and joy are now completely drenched and soaked in the Son of God. Friends, this morning, there are some people ready to make that declaration. There are people who are going to walk into that tank right over there and say, I am a follower of Jesus and I want the world to know. I believe that he died and rose again. I am declaring that he and he alone is the Lord of my life. And because of his death and resurrection, I am now a new creation. I am a child of the living God. And friends, let me just say this to you today. Maybe you need to do that too. Maybe you need to make that decision. Maybe you need to make that declaration to the world. Maybe it's time, instead of relying on your own power to get through this life, maybe it's time to surrender to the power of God, the greatest power in all the universe. Maybe this morning, instead of seeking satisfaction in this life from things that will only leave you thirsting again and again and again, maybe it's time to receive the living water of Jesus that your soul has been searching and seeking and yearning for for so long. Maybe today is the day where you need to say to yourself, to your God, to this church family and to the world, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In just a moment, the story of water, the story, the story of redemption and forgiveness and reconciliation and hope and peace is going to continue because it's not just a story in the scriptures, it's a story that's alive and well in our community and it's a story that's gonna to be told in that tank right over there. Friends, in just a moment, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna invite those of you who are here today to be baptized. So as I'm praying, you can just get up and you can come forward and you can go on back and you can get ready. And maybe I wanna to say to you, maybe you're here today and you didn't plan on getting baptized. Maybe you came this morning, you just came for the picnic or because a friend invited you, but this morning you know that you've been looking to other things to satisfy your soul. You've been relying on your own power and strength and you know because the Holy Spirit is telling you that it is not enough and that you need Jesus. Or maybe you've already received Jesus, but you've never declared that. You've never stood up. You've never walked into some water and identified with the death and resurrection of Jesus publicly. Maybe this morning the Holy Spirit right now is saying, this is your time. This is your moment. Stand up. Walk down. Get in that tank and declare Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. If that is you today, do not ignore that voice. And I'm praying you can just get up and you can walk down. But Pastor Dave, I didn't bring a towel. <laughs> Guess what? We have towels. But Pastor Dave, I don't have a change of clothes. Guess what? We've got clothes. But Pastor Dave, what will people think? First of all, it does not matter what people will think because I know what God will think. He will think, yes. I love you. I've longed for you 
to step into my grace, to step into my hope and peace and love. And so it does not matter what they think, but friends, I'll tell you what they will think. This family will celebrate you and support you and love you and walk with you. So again, I'm going to pray right now. I'm just going to ask that we'd all just bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here to be baptized today or if you even want to have a conversation about what that might look like, I just invite you to get up, kind of walk back and head right back right now. Father, this morning, we just thank you for the way that you show up in our world, that you're not a far off God, that you don't hide yourself from us, that you do not make us come searching for you, but you show up right in our world and you reveal yourself in just the very simple, obvious ways, Lord, that you use even things like water to reveal yourself to us. And Lord, this morning we're, we're celebrating your death and resurrection, the hope we have in it, the forgiveness and grace we experience through it, Lord. And we're celebrating with our friends who are walking into this tank to say... Jesus, your death and resurrection was for me. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would, would draw and invite just the right people, Lord, that you would not let the enemy talk them out of making a decision to follow you, to walk with you, to receive you today. Lord, as a church family, we celebrate this morning. We celebrate lives that are touched by your grace. And as we watch people be baptized, Lord, we also just acknowledge again how much we need you. We acknowledge again that your death and resurrection is for us. We acknowledge again that we cannot walk through this life and manage by our own power that we need you. That our souls are thirsty and that you are the only water that will satisfy. That is our prayer. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you and we lift you up. In Jesus' name, amen.